Welcome to Respawn Aim Fire, episode 81, the Kick-Ass Irreverent Gaming Podcast, brought to you by Holden DePardo and... Chad Michaelinis! We have a pretty uh, exciting episode here. We're going to talk about uh, something we kind of delayed talking about a little bit, which was the kind of rock star working conditions uh, scenario. We wanted to take some time to really look at things um, and then kind of talk about unionization as well. What would we think that's a good idea for the industry? It's a little bit more of a political topic than we've ever had in the show, but I think it's a really important one. So I'm glad we're going to be talking about it. We were also kind of like holding out for a hero, as they say, <laughs> that being Jason Schreier with this new article on it. Which was incredibly, incredibly long, but we read it all, so... We, we got you. You don't have to read all 24 pages of it. That's a Microsoft Word. I, I was curious. I had to check. Anyway, we're also talking about Nintendo in school. Yes, there's going to be <laughs> Nintendo in school. Um, there's going to be some um, blah, some executives departing their companies, which is interesting. So just lots of stuff to talk about this week. But we're going to open up with some Oculus stuff because they had a executive depart, one of the co-founders. And there's some interesting reasons why he might have left. Oh, Aculoso. Yes. So basically what happened is there was a rumor that the Rift 2 is, is getting canceled. Oculus then, Rift 2, the VR headset. The VR headset. And this is just after that, um, the one of the co-founders, and crap, what was his name? Um, look that up right now. He left the company for six years. And he put a post on Facebook just kind of saying that um, he's so proud of the team he's worked with, that it's um, been one of the most, you know, um, uh, you know, highlights of his life kind of thing. Um, he did have one part I liked a lot, too. He said that when people ask him, oh, I love the products you make there, he just said, we all have a saying, which is team effort. We just say team effort. Nice. That was kind of nice. So he seemed to have very positive vibes about uh, where he was working. Um, but he has left. And it's apparently because of a cancellation of the Rift 2. And the guy's name was, I'm pulling it up right now. Where is his name? Brendan. Brendan, um... Iribi? Iribi, yeah. Iribi, Brendan. We'll call him Brendan. It's right here in the note. Yeah. Oh, it's in the note? Okay. Yeah. I just... This in the note. I didn't see it. Okay. Oh, there it is. Okay. I'm just an idiot and didn't see it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm apparently an idiot. This, You're an idiot. So apparently this is happening because there are fundamentally different views of the future of Oculus, which basically means that he... Well, based on the rumor, means that he wants her to be Rift 2, and then the Oculus going on Oculus Quest upcoming Oculus Quest are kind of the mainline products that Facebook wants to focus on is apparently what um, is the the kind of the clash there. So that, that was interesting. Now, Facebook has since come out and denied that they're not working on Rift 2. They said they are still working. Um, they didn't say on a Rift 2. They said they were working on a Rift. The actual quote is, while we can't comment on our product roadmap, some specifics, we do have future plans and can confirm that we are planning uh, for a future version of Rift. Mm. Now they didn't say Rift Two, but would they say Rift Two? I don't think they'd say Rift Two because they don't want to no. like confirm a new product. But no, it does it, leave it kind of open. It does. It does. To me, right off the bat, that says future version of Rift, like slim down. That's exactly what I, what um, I maybe wireless, yeah. but mostly just like more comfortable, ergonomic. Yeah, it, it'll be like the you know uh, PS4 Slim kind of thing. Like it's I'd a take new what version of learned, Rift. Yeah. yeah, take what they've learned from. Uh, what was the one we talked about last time? 
the new one they announced, Oculus Quest. whatever the fuck Quest, yeah, like yeah. the ergonomics and things like that of Oculus Quest, and apply yeah. it to the Rift, which is now several years old. Which, which is, I'll say is in, it's in dire need of, of as someone who has glasses. The Oculus Go is really fantastic at working with glasses. Has like a built-in glass spacer you can get. The Rift is kind of a nightmare for glasses. You have to put your glasses like inside the headset first, and then put it all on it as one piece, and you have to hold on to the arms of your glasses. You do so so they don't go flying all over the place. It's it's really kind of messy, and they do Life need is to hard, change. Man. Was it? Life is very challenging. <laughs> Having to put on your VR headset. I have to headset. hold my glasses and my extra sensory but like, device. But Oculus Go, you just put it on. And yeah. a Rift, you kind of have to finagle a little bit. I mean, I demo these things. So I see people with glasses all the time trying to use them. And everyone has this hesitation of, this seems stupid to have to do it this way. And I'm like, I know <laughs> it does. But it's so much better than like pushing your glasses up against your face as you're putting this headset on. So they do need to work on those ergonomics. That I wouldn't be surprised if they see that. But I don't get the vibe of working on a Rift 2 based on this. And they've shown off at Oculus Connect back in May. They showed off a lot of like prototype features for things that, that they want to show off in VR. But they didn't show anything off as like, and eh, this is going to be a new headset. They just said, here's wider field of view, eye tracking technology. All of those things could be applied to an Oculus Go or an Oculus Rift. They don't intend, don't inherently have to belong to a Rift 2. Yeah. So I don't know what to expect. It's interesting. And then a story that's separate from all this kind of cooperates some of this, and that's from the uh, company CCP. Um, they are uh, they make Eve Online. They made the VR game Eve uh, Valkyrie. The CEO was talking about VR, and he basically said that, and quote, "We expected VR to be two or three times as big as it was. Late last year, they just canceled their uh, VR projects and said we like the long term of this, but we're not confident in the short to medium term right now." Yeah. So I think that kind of makes sense. I mean, in PC VR, there really hasn't been anything huge. PlayStation VR is really the only, you know, I'd say decently selling or well-selling VR headset that uses a, you know, peripheral hardware like a PC or a PlayStation to run. Yeah, what's it, what's interesting, this CCP, like Eve Valkyrie was the launch game. In fact, for a lot of people, that was the very first thing journalists got their hands on yeah I mean, when you got a demo heads we got a, a developer headset for the oculus before it was even oculus rift i'm talking like the developer units it yeah. was e valkyrie was one of the games you could play so like they i i they definitely had to take some risks with like from the very beginning before developer kits for things were available like we are gonna full-on pour everything that we have into the well not everything that we have but one of their studios and and resources mm -hmm. we're gonna pour this into vr hoping that it takes off and yeah after a year or two of them into that process we as a not a society but as like an industry we decided like yeah this is probably we're gonna temper our expectations a bit and we're like well yeah we poured this money into it but yeah i get it like i'm glad they were there to prove the technology to people and kind of get people mm -hmm. excited about it but i totally see it yeah the install base is definitely not growing no, it's not. And, and, as and even on, as people thought. But this is also true of PlayStation VR as well, I'd say. Yeah. And it's not just – it's a VR industry issue, I would say. And I think it's that the barrier to entry for VR is just too high. You have to get a device that you might not have wanted otherwise, a PlayStation or a gaming PC. And then you have to get another headset on top of that when people would really just want to get a headset, which is why I think that products that are standalone are going to be the future of VR. PlayStation needs to make a, a – a standalone headset i think to really make playstation vr a viable platform and i, I think, think that for for what ccp is is 
particularly developing like high-end VR games, I think there is quite a significant overlap between people who might already have a PlayStation and people who also want VR. So I don't think that's necessarily like the people who are looking, who are CCP's audience. I don't know if standalone headset is going to be enough to uh, well, widen their install base. CCP is saying that, as much, yeah. though. They they are saying as much. The CEO, um, Peterson, is saying, equ- I mean, he calls that Oculus Quest, but this applies to not just Oculus Quest. His Oculus Quest is the, quote, potential savior. I think he misunderstands the product a little bit because he says that it's wireless, full movement, and, quote, baked in gaming PC. It's not oh, a, no. yeah. No. It's not a built in gaming PC. But, I think that what they see is someone says, oh, I want to try VR because it's – how do I put it? It's, I kind of think VR is going to be like mobile where mobile brought in all these different types of gamers that don't normally play games. And I think sure, VR yeah. is going to do that. But it also is is appealing to hardcore gamers as well. It's a great cross between the two. But it's going to be – there's going to be some really simple games that are really fun and can only be done in VR that – my mom and your mom and are like our parents like your actually your parents would play games though so that's not a great example but like that people's parents are going to want to play as well yeah and like they're not gonna yeah they're not gonna get a a playstation and a heads in a vr headset they're not going to get a gaming pc and a vr headset to to play that kind of thing and the kind of experiences that we are seeing in vr right now are simpler experiences i think that's why we're not seeing a lot of hardcore gamers jumping over to it yeah you have like skyrim and fallout but i mean they're direct ports of games that already exist and yeah that's cool but i'm not gonna buy a vr headset just to play a game that i'm already playing on a flat screen experience do you think your mom and my mom are who ccp is targeting with eve valkyrie and the games no no they're they're not but because there's no platform to put that kind of game on that has a wide enough reach they're not gonna make it for it anyway I think Eve Valkyrie is a is a really good game, but it's not gonna it's not gonna sell a headset on its own. When there's a huge install base of these headsets, then that might be a viable game to release. That's one of the very few games that has ever made me nauseous. Nauseated, was excuse it? me. I had, I never played it. The game was nauseous, yeah. which made me nauseated. I think that <laughs> the game was nauseous. The um I really don't like those dogfighting VR games because the resolution is just not high enough in these headsets to make it fun. Mine was just like being able to accidentally do a backflip in your ship and it's like, oh God, where is the ground? There is no ground. I'm in space. <laughs> like that's where even you weren't there. Whenever Did you come to the Best Buy whenever they had PSVR on demo before it went on sale? No, I didn't. Or was that? That was Josh Osborne came No, with my me. first time doing VR was with you. That's right. That's right. It was Josh Osborne came and you were supposed to go, but you were sick or something like that day. But we went to Best Buy and tried it out and that was what I did. And I was like, I sat down, I did the Eve Valkyrie demo and I was like, that was really cool. I could see how people get sick during that. <laughs> I didn't throw up, but I was like, I could definitely see. <laughs> so far, one of the only experiences that has made me sick is Resident Evil 7. Oh, that game was so fucking good. I was uncomfortable. You remember that, right? I was uncomfortable yeah, I and queasy afterwards. I know. Um... I have one more kind of thought on Oculus Rift 2 that I kind of forgot to go back to. Um, if you don't mind, you just abruptly changing subject. Yeah. So yeah. Go. Mark, Mark Zuckerberg Say said, I think last week or two weeks ago, that now that they've announced Quest, that's like their first-gen lineup, is kind of been announced. So Oculus Rift, Oculus Go, Oculus Quest. Um, 
what I think is strange is that they're the same price point, three ninety nine for both, and that's where we kind of get into get into that like cheaper uh, Oculus Rift. Yeah, Maybe that's like two hundred dollars or three hundred dollars um, instead because. I was looking at my note again. I'm sorry. <laughs> you guys, Holden's wearing an amazing shirt from Uniqlo. It's Super Mario mm-hmm. and has a whole lot of really cool patterns on it. And he also has a Nintendo NES sock on his microphone as a windscreen. Dude is Nintendoed okay. out. There he is. So they're the same price, right? And I think that people are going to look at them and compare the Quest and the Rift a little bit too closely, even though they really shouldn't compare them too closely because they are different enough products. But people are going to look at them closely, and one of them is going to overtake the other, and I think that's going to end up being the Quest because I think it's just going to be more attractive because most people don't have gaming PCs. Yeah. So I think because of that, they're going to get into a position where they're going to have to get to the Quest to be good enough that it can really overtake the rift that they can handle some of those experiences to continue to make it more appealing so they can continue to sell them that's going to keep happening and exactly. i think it's because of that i think good enough is is the right thing you just hit on there it's going to be good enough to get it in people's hands and be attractive some of the white psvr is selling better than oculus rift and htc but yeah because it's, it's good enough, enough. exactly yeah. um and because of that, they're going to want more developers thinking about Oculus Quest than they are going to be wanting them thinking about Oculus Rift. Because if they're thinking about Oculus Rift, they're thinking about these crazy big experiences that we can make with all the extra processing headroom of a PC that they're then going to have a really hard time making games for the Quest. So the Rift kind of gets in the way of the Quest in that regard. Yeah. So I just they can't coexist. They just can't. It doesn't make sense. So I think that they should get rid of the Rift. If if they want the quest to be really successful, and I think the quest the quest is the better route to take. It's definitely the more interesting route. Yeah, it's going to be especially rough since at we've first. already got the HTC Vive Pro, like on the high end mark, like which also just no one's buying that. Yeah, no you one's really buying don't hear anything about it. But although it is the better experience, you just yeah, it is the better experience. It. It's also way more money. I mean, it's like saying, yeah. well, the Ferrari is the better experience than the Mercedes. It's like, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one's, a, one's a Ferrari, but yeah, I think you're right. In order for Oculus to find its niche, it needs to, it needs to change things up, and it's got to go that Quest route. Yeah, I just think in general, though, I think PC VR is is how we got here, but it's not where it's going to go. Yeah, Fezd. <laughs> <laughs> Your VR sucks. <laughs> what does Fezd have to do with this? Uh, you said PC. Oh, okay. <laughs> Um, that's all that I got to say about this Oculus Rift that's banana stuff. That's all I got to say about that. Three in a row, Forrest Gump. Yeah, it was. Yeah, all right. There we go. Chad- Every single episode from here, the rest of the time is now going to have Forrest Gump in it. <laughs> Chad, where did you play this week? Playtime with Chad looks like this. Hey, guys. Do you know what this month's game is for Barf? Backlog Accomplishment with Respawn and Friends? It's Castlevania Symphony of the Night. And I am being such a good adult that I am... Like partitioning my time in a responsible way for this, and I'm playing it throughout the month rather than mainlining it into my veins like sweet black tar heroin at the end of the month. Because <laughs> um, so that's, so that's what heroin users do: is they just get enough heroin for the month and then use it all at once, and then wait till next month to use it again. That's right. That's, that's... why overdoses exist. <laughs> Moving on to something less offensive. Uh, yeah, I've been playing Castlevania Symphony Night. And only Castlevania Symphony of the Night. Not because I have to, but because this game's fucking good. Chad, spoilers. You're not supposed to talk about your opinion of the game until the end of the month. I know, but I can't help it. Like, I played it 
legitimately till one in the morning the other day. I I, I, I heard about that. That doesn't happen very I often. I played Spider Man till one in the morning. I think I got a text message ago. from you like really late at night once. Like I had fallen asleep and you sent me a text message. I think and that never happens. That never happens. Bedtime for me is like nine thirty, ten o'clock. Because you're ten thirty at the latest. Because you're a baby. But yeah, I've been playing that. And in fact, I even bought Dark Souls on Switch. Haven't even launched the application yet. Spider-Man I, I DLC missed, came out today. I missed what you just said. You, you cut out for a second. What was the Switch thing? I bought Dark Souls on Switch. Oh, you did? Okay, cool. Downloaded it with the intention to play it on Friday night or whatever day. Yeah, Friday night. Mm-hmm. Uh, started playing Castlevania Symphony Night on the bus on the way to work. Said, fuck that. <laughs> I'm playing <laughs> Castlevania, bitch. So, yeah, I'm playing a shit ton of that, and that's it. That's all I'm playing until I'm done with it. Yeah, so I really want to play Castlevania, because I, too, really like the game, but I haven't had time to play it this week. So, haven't played it this week. Um, should we go, go ahead and announce the delay <laughs> in Barth? Yeah, so, because Holden uh, is choosing the old-fashioned route of waiting till the end of the month to, to main. No, 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 I'm not like waiting. I just haven't had the opportunity. An overdose on Castlevania. <laughs> Chad, you're a terrible person. <laughs> <laughs> we are delaying our discussion of Castlevania for Backlog Accomplishment of the Respawn and Friends until November 6th, voting day. And that will be the day that we all celebrate. So, that's all I played. Holden, you're looking at the screen like you're very concerned. Because you're you. cutting out like crazy and I can't like... I can hear you now, ah, but you were you cutting go. out like crazy. I didn't hear anything you said for a good like 30 seconds. I just said that we're delaying the shit, so let's keep going. You didn't stop recording, okay. did you? No, I didn't, but Fucking I didn't realize great. that the clicking was going on for the metronome, so I just turned that off. That was right. going on for about 17 minutes and I didn't even realize How it. How did that not annoy the shit out of you? Because I was focused in our conversation. I was just engaged. <laughs> I was all up in that... V- I was in a different world, a virtual world. I was in a different world. <laughs> um, so yeah, I assume you played nothing? Yeah, I played Castlevania Symphony of the Night. And... Just kidding, I tried to and didn't. <laughs> You you just played midterms. I just played midterms, yeah. Which I've done very well on, by the way. I got my grades back for the first yeah? two midterms. I did very well. And I was dead tired. Look at Literally, that. Did you get the platinum trophy? Uh, no, just under platinum trophy. So um, okay. I went off of a plane without sleep right to my job of midterm. And then in there, he had to write a program by hand on paper which was really really annoyingly hard actually yeah that sounds stupid computers yeah. exist although yeah, that's know. right up your alley you love typewriters and notebooks <laughs> like a phone doesn't exist or a laptop doesn't exist hey, i like notebooks okay writing is fun point is is that holden also reads I crushed a it physical was... newspaper now every day <laughs> twice a day <laughs> i'm an old man we've been over this i barely text i don't use social media oh, i read newspapers i had a typewriter but i didn't like using it that much so i don't use it anymore but i do like notebooks they're fun anyway i didn't play games this week because i had school and i crushed my midterms even though i was tired the whole time i crushed it because i'm awesome but i'm not awesome at playing castlevania because i haven't played castlevania that much this month because chad you are a better person than i am but you know what you are awesome at? What? Opening physical books like I'm not. You know what else can be opened? Our quest log. So hold on. Let's open up that I quest log and find out said. what the internet has provided for us. Starting with Sony PlayStation. Yeah, I didn't hear most of what you just said. I'm assuming there was an insult thrown in there at some point, but I don't know. No, it was just a great transition. Oh, okay. 
Great segue, also, Chad. Also, fucking call Verizon and get your internet fixed. <laughs> Do you just want to switch hey, to audio really quickly? If you can hear me, stop your recording. Stop your recording. Oh, can we switch to audio? Is that a thing? Yeah. All right, switch. Go. Oh, you turn the hey, camera y'all. off. Y'all like butter? This is how the butter's made. You can this just is turn... how you churn butter. There we go. There we go. All right. Yeah. So Sony stuff. You guys like this inside look at our at our podcast, how professional <laughs> we are? Can you believe we've almost been doing this two years? <laughs> you would never even know. So but PlayStation uh, blog announced the release date for a few upcoming games. Two I wanted to highlight. Um, Deocene, which is... Is it Deocene? Deocene? What is it? Do you know how to pronounce this? Is that the VR one from the... From software? Yeah. From software? Yep. I was going to say Dark Souls, guys. I was like, no, there's no way that can be true. But no, that's right. It was Dark Souls, guys. It was Dark Souls, guys. Yeah, it's coming November 6th, 2018. All right. It is not Dark Souls in VR. It no, seems... definitely, definitely, definitely not. <laughs> I don't <laughs> get that vibe like, No, it can't be them. But the interesting one, the interesting there's a delay, is Days Gone went from being in February to April 26th, 2019. They delayed it a few months. And they specifically Woo! called out because February is very crowded. What a good decision. Way to go. I think this is a good move. I think yeah, it shows they have absolutely, because it would have been steamrolled. A new IP that they haven't really sold people on yet, coming mm-hmm. out in the same three-week period as everything else, let alone the same day as Anthem and a whole bunch of other shit. Yeah. Uh, what a fucking great... Tri- and they said, well, we want to get out of February, so we might as well polish some more before it comes out now in April. I was like, yeah. No, exactly. And... I think it shows they have confidence in their game as well, because if they knew this wasn't going to be great, they just would have let it disappear, and that's the perfect month to let it disappear. Yeah. So the fact that they're saying, hey, we want to push this off means they think they have a really good game here, so that's nice to see. Uh, There's also been an announcement, God of War is officially now thirty nine ninety nine. It got an official price drop. Yeah, I should have waited. Which is more of a reason for you to go buy it and play it for, not you, but the listener and world in general. You bought it, you still have to fucking play it. I know, loser. I know. Did you watch the video, though, that they announced this no, week? It's awesome. I spent all my time reading that Kotaku article instead. The Yeah, that was probably the better uh, move. The So the video is just basically a blooper reel of all these glitches and bugs and just really funny things that happened in the development of the game. Um it's worth watching. I recommend watching it. It's also kind of I'm cool that, it, that a developer was willing to show that off because it's basically like, hey, look at our products suck really bad. Watch this. <laughs> so that was it was kind of endearing. It was nice. Um, moving on to Nintendo. Speaking of endearing, let's talk about Eevee from Pokemon. Why? Let's go. Because you know, that game's Why? coming out. Why Eevee? Exactly. That's a question. Why do they choose Eevee? Very simple reason. This is very straightforward. In Pokemon Yellow, your rival used Eevee. So if they're going to have Pikachu uh, as one, Eevee will be the other right. one. That makes so much sense. So you said that's part of it. The other reason is just that since Pokemon Yellow and having a rival use Eevee, Eevee has just become a much more popular character. So it just kind of, they said it naturally fit into that area. Okay. That's All cool. right, I don't so much hate it now. Yeah, that totally makes sense. I actually, it's one of those things where there was some huge Pokemon fan who knew that detail and was like, "No, guys, it makes sense the way they chose Eevee. You just don't get it." And then he heard the Pokemon boss explain all this stuff, and he felt validated. So for that person, good job. Good job. Good job. 
In kind of cool news, though, Nintendo is bringing the Labo to schools across North America. This is coming I from The Verge. This. Yeah, this is really cool. It's a small thing. It's nothing huge. It's mostly publicity, I'm assuming. But it's still cool. So the idea is that they're going to put Labos into certain schools and just kind of give teachers some ideas of things that they can do to show off um, – you know, what they call the STEAM um, fields, not STEM, but STEAM, which is science, technology, engineering, art, and mathematics, art being added from STEM. And yeah, their their goal is that they want to let teachers have creativity to do fun things to their students, to get them interested in these topics at a young age. And I think that's cool. Yeah, that's really cool. So they're going to be uh, putting into 100 schools. 2,000 students by the end of the year in May to June of 2019. Yep. Um, seeing seeing how schools already, like I've, I've visited some schools before and seeing how they like use Sphero robots for coding and things like that, mm-hmm. I think this is uh, an excellent opportunity to kind of not just show kids the coding t- side of things, but also like the engineering side of things. This is a really fascinating and great yeah. way to kind of stoke their imagination and mm-hmm. show them how shit works and if they decide that's something that sparks their interest. Because, I mean, like, nowadays, like, engineer, like, for some reason, I feel like that gets looked over. Everyone's all like, push kids towards coding or push kids towards football. But, you know, like, engineering and science and that kind of stuff seems Mm -hmm. to get, oddly enough, overlooked. Yeah. And me with all of my knowledge of the educational system in America for the last (laughs) decade, so... (laughs) I think also it's a nice kind of return for Nintendo almost because they've done this kind of thing before in the past. Um, I'm not talking like Brain Age. I'm not talking about Brain Age. I'm talking like they've done, you know, uh, Mario typing and things like that. Like they've done things with education before in the past and it's kind of like a return to that almost. Yeah. So it's kind of nice to see. It's going to be expensive though. What, to get Labo and all those schools? Well, to, well the Labo themselves are already expensive, but then you got to get the switches for the Labo and... Mm-hmm. Yeah, what's something I'm curious about is is Nintendo just giving these switches out to schools? It's probably in their best interest too. Yeah, but that's that's a lot of free shit. Yeah, Nintendo's also has a lot of money. You're right. You're true, Ka. Yep, I true. Chad, you're excited about this Spider Man thing, aren't you? Um, Spider-Man, oh yeah, I got the uh, little notification today that, yes, Spider-Man's first add-on, The Heist, which is one of the three storyline things from the City That Never Sleeps DLC, is out today on Tuesday. If you're listening to this at all, it's already out, and I can't fucking wait. And I got, of course, the deluxe whatever digital edition, so it's waiting for me already. Hair toss. (laughs) Uh, So as soon as I beat Castlevania Symphony Night, I'm going to play this. Very, very exciting. These are fetch quests. I've got a three-day weekend coming up. Uh, oh yeah, fetch quests. What's up, fetch? <laughs> Stop trying to make fetch quests happen. God damn it! Fucking stuttering. <laughs> so we also have Red Dead Redemption Two is going to be on two discs. There have been talks of that. It is official. It's going to be on two discs. But the good news is you won't be switching back and forth between two discs the whole time. You will basically have one disc to play the game, and then the other disc just installs content to your PlayStation or Xbox. Yeah. Yeah, I, we were talking about last week. By the way, there's been yet another update to like the install size of Red Dead, and now there's <laughs> really? a third story about how much it actually takes it's up. Now it's now actually only 13 it's, gigabytes in size. It's, it's big. really small. <laughs> it's big. Whatever the fucking story is, it's big. 
But yeah, then I saw two discs, <laughs> and I was like, oh, well, I guess that means that, you know, you said, oh, yeah, a three-layer Blu-ray, Blu-ray disc can't hold more than 100. So I was like, well, two discs, motherfucker. Mm-hmm. Gonna have to be two discs. So Rocket League has delayed its cross-platform party system, which is called Rocket Pass? Rocket? Rocket ID. Something? Rocket ID. Yep. To 2019. Uh, I think what's funny is the the company that, like, famously said... Oh yeah, it's literally just a flip, a switch we could flip, and it's ready to go, and we can do crossplay, no problem. And they're like, "Oh wait, but yeah, you're right. There are like, we need to make sure our Rocket ID system functions from one system to another. We need to make sure that messaging is there. We need to make sure that all these things work well." Um, so if you were expecting that in 2018, you're gonna have to hold your horses just a titty. That's a, uh, another word for bit. Titty's another word for bit. I made up right now. <laughs> Um. Yeah, I think they also said that it's going to give them time to work on the PlayStation side if that stuff gets approved and they can do PlayStation crossplay. They're also going to incorporate that into Rocket ID as well. So, yeah. Moving on to Fallout seventy six, it's going to have one hundred and fifty hours of side content at launch. Which Ooh. at first I heard they went, "Wow, that sounds great," and I thought, "Is that actually kind of small for a Fallout game?" I don't know. Another thing I actually forgot to include in here is they also basically told their employees, or not employees, their, uh, the users who pre-order basically said, hey, prepare for this game to be really buggy. Oh, man, right? Which for Bethesda to say that, like, hey, we know our games get bugs. Yeah. So you should be more prepared than ever for those bugs. That says a Does lot. Does that make you more or less excited for you to spend your money on it in November? Oh, I already told you last week. I'm, I'm going to wait and see what happens. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Listen, or don't you ever listen to me, Chad? Holden, you are literally just a person for me to talk at so people can hear my voice. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> uh, that's our quote of the week. Last fetch quest. This is my favorite. Is we finally know what all seven locations in Hitman 7 are going to be. There was a trailer that showed them off. Very cool trailer. They are going to be Hawks Bay in New Zealand, Miami, USA, Santa um, for, um, Fortuna, yeah, Fortuna in Colombia, Mumbai, India, Whittleton Creek, USA, the Isle of Seagal. Is it Seagal? I'm assuming it's Seagal. North in the North I, Atlantic. I also think it's probably pronounced Isle instead of Isle. Did I say Isle? Yeah, Isle. Sorry. Did, yeah. Thank you, Chad. Just looking out for me. <laughs> And this is Himmelstein, Austria. Himmelstein, yeah. Himmelstein. Would you like to go to Austria with me to Himmelstein and kill some people? <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> so I'm just excited that we finally have what all the locations are. But we didn't see a lot of them. We just kind of saw quick glances. We didn't really get a good look at what, them, what they all I are. spoil it. Exactly. So I'm excited that I don't really know what they look like yet but i know kind of an idea of what i'm gonna be able to see i can let my imagination go wild into what all these isles i'm gonna be looking at are get out (laughs) (laughs) i can't wait um that is all the fetch quests we have let's move on to third party this is like our last little segment before the main quest and third party and indies do i start this one off chad go for it uh sure so jade raymond Leaves EA Motive Studio after only a few years uh, mm-hmm. after taking over. So uh, EA has made a statement. We're going to read a quote. With this change, means quote, 
with this change, <laughs> Jade Raymond has decided to leave Electronic Arts. In her time with us, Jade helped out build helped to build great teams, and our projects underway at Motive and other studios continue unchanged. We are appreciative of all of her efforts, and we wish Jade all the best as she moves on to her next adventure. We are driving greater creativity into everything we do across EA Studios, and we'll look forward to sharing more in the months to come. Yeah. Um, so the, the the change that they said at the beginning with this change, um, the change is that there was a new uh, um, head over the not just Motive um, Studios, but also a few other EA Studios. That was Samantha yeah. Ryan was promoted up. Um, they didn't She's say now his... covering the entire North America, aside from EA Sports. Yeah. And I get the vibe maybe they didn't work very well together is what it seems like, just based on how that she's not. That seems to be the subtext. Yeah, that, that's the subtext I'm getting, because uh, this statement came from EA. Jade Raymond herself has not said anything publicly about this, to my knowledge, yeah. at least. Um, so I haven't seen anything from, from her at all. So I'm assuming it's probably just, hey, that situation's not working for me. But if, if EA is saying this, I don't. I think it was a pretty amicable it wasn't like it was bad blood necessarily it was like hey i don't yeah. think this is gonna work out maybe we shouldn't do this yeah that's kind of the vibe i'm getting not necessarily bad blood just a recognition that maybe this could get bad <laughs> so let's break off now <laughs> <laughs> let's do it before we grow to resent each other and then we're just staying together because my laundry's at your place <laughs> exactly, exactly that's how all of my relationships end. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually the best way for them to end it's not. <laughs> you spend more time hating the other person than you guys actually spent dating in total, and you're like, why are we together? I don't think we're talking but about the same thing. Less out of my personal life and into whatever the hell is next oh. on the list. I think we were talking about something different there. So anyway, Bioware is planning to uh, live stream Anthem next week to kind of show it off. The game is now in alpha, as we know. So the whole game is playable, just maybe has a lot of bugs in it at the moment. But the lead producer, Michael Gamble, and a developer, Ben Irving, they'll be doing uh, the live stream on November 1st together. The plan is to build a random character and then start playing the game. Oh, wow. That's revolutionary. (laughs) (laughs) No, I think they're just trying to show off, like, this is what the beginning of the game looks like. Yeah, that's cool. Um, so cool idea for this early on. I think that's kind of cool to see something like what that. What if it was literally like they build the character and then like the first ten seconds of the first cutscene? They're like, great. I hope you guys enjoyed our live stream. <laughs> <laughs> and that's it. See you guys. Bye. Yep. And we have a rumor to end things off. And that is that mm. Destiny Three is in development. This comes from a reliable source. Or a well-known leaker on on Reddit, and the game apparently is going to be more hardcore than Destiny Two, with a bigger focus on RPG elements. You think they mean rocket-propelled grenades? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. What do you? Because you play more. You play Destiny One a lot. You play Destiny Two a lot. What does that mean to you? More hardcore than Destiny, with bigger focus on RPG elements. Um, I don't know. First of all, it's super ambiguous as shit. It's very ambiguous, yeah. I don't know, man. I have no idea what that might mean. The other part I thought was interesting was um, an open-world sections of the game that are going to be PvPvE, which is player versus player versus environment, and it's a, quote, fight for territory. To me, that sounds like Destiny's version of a battle royale. Do you think I'm reading that that wrong? more sounds like is, like... 
is is um like you have this big open world and you do maybe no that's like factions like oh man i've killed a certain number of enemies in this area of the world for my faction therefore we own this and there are benefits for my faction over here so you're not okay i see okay you're still you're more it's like um this is an exact comparison, but it's kind of like in Titanfall where you're fighting against other players, but you're all just fight, also fighting against AI grunts, and you get points for also killing the grunts as well. Is that kind of what you're saying? And there's, but there's a wider scale to it than just Titanfall. No. Has, no? Okay. No. <laughs> They're not even close. Okay. I'll no. show. What I'm really thinking about is playing Guild Wars. <laughs> oh, okay. Guild Wars. There were two main factions you could be a part of. And, like, depending on which one you chose to, like, align with during your playthrough of the game, uh, you could, like, different parts of the game could be overtaken by certain faction. Uh, different areas might belong to another, like, public but, but areas. I guess what I'm saying, though, is that in those different areas, you're fighting other players, but you're also fighting AI as well, is what I'm saying. That's what I was uh, getting at. In in my examples, it was all PvE and then the meta game was PvP. You weren't directly fighting other players. Okay. But I don't know. I don't know what this might mean. Oh, okay. That was also 15, 18 years ago. How long did Guild Wars come out? How long ago? Oh, I have no idea. You're going to have to ask somebody else. Guild Wars Factions was the expansion. I'm mostly just talking because I'm Googling things and you haven't started talking. This is where they introduced <laughs> the, the fact... I was playing this at Governor's School in 2006 is where I started playing this because it added the ritualist to it. Yeah, April 28, 2006. Jesus Christ, I'm older than fucking the moon. All mm-hmm. right. Yep, pretty old. Get out of here. <laughs> All right. I think we're ready to move on to the main quest. I think so, too. Strap in. It's a heavy one. <laughs> So, um, last week, Sam, is it Sam or Dan Hauser? Um, there are two brothers who uh, are leads at Rockstar, were in an interview with Vulture, and they basically said that they were almost bragging about the fact that, you know, the development's been really heavy on this game and that they've been working 100 hour weeks. And that statement set up a firestorm of. Well, that's the one issues. line from a much larger, a much larger thing interview. Yeah, but that, that one line focus on. Yeah, yeah. Well, that one line really blew up. That's kind of how everything that we're going to be talking about started, and it's really prompted a deeper look into Rockstar's working conditions. Um, stories have been coming out since then, and this is also not the first time that Rockstar's had complaints against them um, about something like this. Happened also from San Diego, uh, Rockstar San Diego, who worked on uh, Red Dead Redemption One. So back to 2010, they had a very similar situation um, to this. We'll get more into that in a little bit. Um, and since then, Rockstar has really been trying to get in the front of this. They've been trying to say that they were only really talking about um, leads who were working those kind of hours. And mainly people in uh, writing scenarios is what it sounded like, too. They've been trying to kind of get in front of it, saying that they also weren't forcing people to work these hours, that it was voluntary. Um, and that 100 hours was kind of the high end, as well, they were seeing. And now they're... 
encouraging kind of open communication about this because they're really trying to stay positive about it in the, in the media. So they're encouraging their journal, um, they're not their journalists, their developers to come out and talk to, to media if possible. Um, and then even Jason Schreier's released a gigantic article that he's actually been working on since October. He did not make this in response to last week's statement. Jason Schreier started working the article back in October and he's had the opportunity in the past week to talk to some more developers as well. And he wrote a huge article about this. So we'll be talking about that as well. Um, did I miss anything in kind of the build up at all on this? Is that pretty much? No, the defense statement, he like particularly said, listen, it was just a couple of weeks. The writers and I, yeah. like four people, and we worked 100-hour weeks a few weeks. Yeah. And that obviously, I, I don't think he was necessarily lying about that, but there's a lot more to the story than just that. Yeah. So, yeah, let's just start with the Jason Schreier article to start off with, and then we'll yes, kind let's. of break we'll break things down from there. I have some information from the um, Independent um, Game Developers Association um, on stats on on kind of working conditions we'll get into as well. Um, but let's talk about what happened at Rockstar. So the article kind of um, opens up with just a little anecdote of kind of one thing that could have caused the delay. Or it could have caused some of the delays to occur and thus kind of caused some of the crunching to happen. And that was that they just simply wanted to add black bars to the top and bottom of the screen. During cinematics. During cinematics, yeah. Um, just things that you weren't going to be interacting with. And that one change, it sounds subtle, but it really added a lot. So, like, now they had to go back and rework the camera angles because you can't just really throw black bars on the top and bottom and expect it to look good. You have to go through everything and make sure it all looks good. Think about all the hours of, of quote-unquote, video content in a video game, all those cutscenes. It's a lot of content to go through and to rework the camera angles on. Work that had already been done. So, it's like things like that had kind of is what resulted in kind of some of the crunch that we're seeing. There's other examples too, like when they said they uh, had to change the name of a city uh, because Mafia, the game Mafia 3, already used that name. So they had to, they wanted to change it just to kind of make it unique and make it uh, specific to uh, this game. Because of that one change of a city, they had to go back and rework all the dialogue, which means they had to re-record a lot of that dialogue all over again. Artwork in the game had to change and the interface had to change um, of the game that showed anything with that town's name in it. Going through a game of this size to look for that content as well is just, it's a huge undertaking. Yeah. So it, I think it's like things like that that aren't necessarily malicious. It's just, hey, we want to make our game better. And a lot of the times it sounded like employees were, you know, in agreement that those changes were going to be good. However, this, it had bad consequences on the amount of hours that employees were working. So. A few into that. So it seems like, just from what I was reading, that the average uh, that we were seeing, or the most common thing stated through anecdotal evidence that Jason Shire got was around 55 to 60 hours um, is what he was um, seeing through people talking to him. And that's a, basically a six-day week at 12 hours a day, which is a lot. Um, sorry, that one particular line, that math does not work out. That's 72 hours. That's what he put in there. So thank you. For I know that is what it. he wrote in the article, but he he miscalculated it. Yeah, so it's be five days then for twelve hours then, right? Yeah, yeah, that makes more sense. You're right. Good catch. Um, that information doesn't jive, however, with what uh, with what Rockstar was reporting. And Rockstar is reporting that between January uh, and March of this year, the average hours was forty two point four hours per week. In April to June, it was 45.5 hours per week. And in July to September, it was 45.8 hours per week. One thing to note is that those hours 
um, that Rockstar was giving out incorporates the entire company. That's something that I'll kind of get back to as well, um, because there's there's statistics in the provided by the Independent um, Game Developers Association that kind of show who is more impacted by crunch time and things like that. So we'll get into that too. The reason, one thing that's notable too is the numbers don't change too much. I mean, 42.4 to 45.5, 45.8, it's not huge changes. The article also is stating that the the crunch is really beginning, depending on what department you're in and what you're working on in the game, in 2016, and then for others, it's starting in 2017. So it's really been a long time that this crunch has been occurring. It is impacting the worst, the cinematics teams, like with the black bars, the design teams, and the quality assurance teams, which is something I don't think people take into consideration. Let's go back to like that example of you know uh, the black bars. They changed the black bars. Well, they've already maybe put that through quality assurance testing, possibly. And if they did, it has to go through it again. So it's, again, it's repeated work over and over again. You can chime in, by the way, if you ever want to, Chad. I'm, I'm following along for now. Okay, you're good. If you just have an opinion you want to throw in there at all, um, so when talking about the that kind of discrepancy that that Schreier had noticed um, in the 55 hours per week anecdotally and the 42.4 hours per week, um, Jennifer Colby, who's kind of a contact point for Jason Schreier at Rockstar, she said, "quote There are individuals exaggerating their actual hours." And uh, she claims that she's able to prove it, uh, which is probably through a system called Bugstar, where employees have to log in their hours, basically, so the Rockstar can see how much their employees are working. So she's claiming that some of these employees are exaggerating their hours, which I thought was a little strange to claim that. Um, What I was noticing is that that data that they were saying matches what I would expect to see from what the independent game... um, Developer Association was talking about with not just the 55 to 60 hours per week, but the 42.4 hours per week. That like that discrepancy actually makes sense based on some of the data that I was seeing um, on, on working conditions. And part of that is that it that these crunches. I'm actually going to break off of Jason Schreier's article for a little bit. We'll talk about these stats and we'll jump back into Jason Schreier's article. Right. Um, these stats basically show that the crunches don't impact. Every single department evenly. I mean, I already mentioned that, like, in his article, he mentioned that cinematics design and quality assurance saw this more heavily. But um, it, we saw this the least, like, the the, the group of, uh, of workers in, in the game industry as a whole interviewed by the Independent Game, um, game Developers Association noticed that programmers had the least desire to see unionization and things like that because they were seeing less things like crunch and... Other departments like art design, audio design, localization, quality assurance, these departments were more likely to see crunch because those types of things are happening later on in the development. Like you can't do audio work until you've really gotten every other piece put together. You're doing localization as you're kind of at the tail end of development and you know exactly what that script is going to be like. Quality assurance is not happening at the beginning of the game, at the beginning of development when you're figuring out what it's going to be. You're doing quality assurance when you're figuring out what you need to fix before it ships. It's like all these things line up towards the end of development. And what I noticed in some of my own research looking at Glassdoor at, at Rockstar specifically is that those are the positions that also make the less amount, the, the least amount per hour or as a salary, depending on if you're salaried or, or hourly wage. So programmers are getting paid the most and working less hours in crunch time because they're not seeing as much crunch time. They are still seeing it, but not as much as the more creative fields in 
in a company. I thought that was interesting. Yeah. They also mentioned too that like that that hours percentage in particular, like not only does it apply to the Red Dead team that is in the middle of crunch, but like that's also offset by the people who are currently working on occasional GTA online content as well. Yeah, exactly. But so also like, just people who aren't staffed in 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 those kind of roles who might just be right. working more like human resources kind of thing. That don't make sense. It does. Yeah, I don't think that that's really a you I mean, you're talking about the discrepancy, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think the discrepancy makes complete sense. Not everyone's going to be crunching. Yeah. Um, so let's kind of get back um, into this. Three things that I kind of thought were interesting and, and kind of trends I was seeing over and over again is this idea of um, culture of fear. I kind of want to get into now of some of the reasons why why employees weren't talking about the crunch time or why some of them were okay with the crunch time or well, why they felt like they had to be there for crunch time. Yeah. Why they had to be there. So there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a kind of a divide of, of employees who didn't like the crunch time and thought it was avoidable and not justified. There were others who said, well, I expect this to be in the industry. It's not great, but this is what I signed up for. And there are those who said, Hey, I'm workaholics. I'm coming here anyway. No one put a gun to my head. I'm coming into work. And I'm like wanting to work 80 hours a week. So it's kind of, there was a split amongst that. And again, that is also supported by independent, um, the um, IGA, um, by the staff. I'm just going to call it the survey. I don't want to repeat that every single time I say that. All right. (laughs) By the survey. So the survey supports that. Yeah, the independent game survey supports that as well, that not everyone is having an issue with, with the crunch time. So the people who do have an issue with the crunch time, they say it's kind of a culture of fear. And it's not so much that, Rockstar is saying you absolutely have to come into work. Some people are saying that's the case, but it seems like there's a culture of fear of your boss comes to you and says, Hey, we need employees coming in on Saturday and you don't want to say no because you want to be seen as a hard worker. You don't want to be seen as a slacker. You will kind of be almost like terrified into doing that over time. Right. That's where it's like, it's technically illegal for your employer to require you to work overtime. Mm -hmm. But that's also like when they're looking at promotions. Oh, really? Who's here working hardest when they're looking at like, oh, the game is done and we have to lay off a third of the studio because we no longer need everyone on board to support Mm post-game stuff. Who am I going to lay off? The person who was here 40 hours a week or the person who busted their ass 70 to 80 hours a week? Like, so it's not, it's not quote unquote required but if you want to do anything in the industry or at the studio you Mm got to do it and it's tough too because there's that's kind of like a there's a natural i think healthy competitive element to that of hey i want to be seen as a hard worker so i want to put a lot of hours but some people take that to an extreme and say well now i'm coming in on saturday and sunday to work a full day on those days and people feel like well i'm a hard worker too and i want to come in and work on those days as well I want to be seen as a good worker, even though that seems like too much for me. It can be a tough thing for people to kind of wrap their heads around. And I think something that doesn't get talked about, and I haven't seen this at all getting discussed, but this is something that my professors at, at, at my school have taught me, is that it's hard to judge developers based on on, on on traditional metrics of work. You can be doing more work than someone in less time because, because you're thinking more efficiently or you're working more efficiently. You can do more and less time so your number of hours working doesn't necessarily mean you're doing more or less work but also the number of lines of code you write isn't also a good metric either because technically speaking less code 
in some cases is going to run better than more code. Yep. Not not always, but in most cases. So it's it's really hard to find the metric of well, who put in the most work on this team? It's not based on the number of hours you put in. It's not based on the number of lines of code you put in. So it's kind of hard to measure that as well in in these situations. And things like art as well, it might be hard. It's very subjective. When it ended up yeah. being used, I designed 15 different things, but he designed one that one ended up getting used. It seems like his work is now better represented, which makes it seem like he did more work, when in reality he might not have done more work. Yeah. In fact, in his original interview with Vulture, one of the things he talked about is the trailers that they released. Mm-hmm. How sometimes they would go through like 75 iterations of this trailer and yep. the people, the editors might have even gone through a hundred more than that. Like, is it, it mm-hmm. because they made so many trailers and worked so long making all of these trailers? Does that mean that they're harder worker or had they made fewer just trailers that met the requirements mm-hmm. they were looking for? Is that a better term statistic? If they made the trailers faster, that's, it's, it's hard by, yeah, you're right. Hard by traditional means to kind of measure that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, going more in, in depth in this, because there's so many reasons why this culture is developed. I think it's really fascinating. So another one is is bonuses. It seems like these div- these Rockstar really hands out handsome bonuses is what it sounds like. They didn't go very specific into it, but kind of reading into it a little bit. Depending on how well the game performs, they will give out a bonus. So like when Max Payne 3 came out, it was not a very high bonus because it didn't sell very well. But the team that was on Reddit Redemption, they got a bonus that was, quote, mid-five digits. Whoa. Yeah. To me, that says like $50,000. Am I like... Yeah. That sounds crazy as a bonus, but like that's some people's salary. And... Again, going back into what I was looking at on Glassdoor to see what some of the reported salaries are in Rockstar. Again, it's Glassdoor. It's not official, but it's an idea. When you're making $100,000 as a programmer, a $50,000 bonus is crazy town. Crazy town. But yeah. it also means that if you put all that crunch time in and then you that game doesn't sell, that sucks. And it's kind of something you don't really have any say in, really, as a developer. It also makes the whole boycotting hard. Let's right, say you that's want to what boy- makes it hard. Yeah, you want to boycott this game because you don't like the working conditions. You're actually really hurting those developers. Yeah, everyone who worked on this game, first of all, they put their like they worked hard. They like lost family they a lot of them had mental health issues and things like that for this work and then you're not going to play it mm-hmm. like fuck i slaved over this i want somebody to play it exactly and then you're right if you don't play it i don't get the money that i worked so hard for mm-hmm. and this thing too is that i don't think any of these people or any of these developers people working at rockstar hate working there i mean you read the article too basically everyone's saying yeah this crunch time really sucks but i've really enjoyed working at rockstar i really feel rewarded by working on these experiences yeah it's it's messy um i thought another this is another reason to that um people don't complain about the crunch time and i thought that this was really fascinating rockstar is a policy that if you are not working on the game when the game is completed like you don't see it through to the finish line if you will 
you're not in the credits for the game. That is changing for Rock for Red Dead Redemption 2, but that has been the case in past games. So if you were like, man, I can't handle this crunch time anymore, it's impacting my family life, it's impacting my, me and my friendships, I'm not happy, I'm depressed, I want to quit, you won't get credit for working on that game. That can affect super important things like, Hey, I'm applying for this job. You can see my history at Rockstar. See, I'm credited. Fucking no, you're not. Exactly. And we'll get into the union side stu- um, in, in after, all this, after all this, you know, Rockstar stuff. But I mean, that's a big reason for a union right there is, like, that's not necessarily fair. If you're working on that game, that game took eight years to get made, which in this case it did, and you're working on it for four of it and you get no credit for it. Yeah. That doesn't seem very You made fair the horse testicles. You didn't stick around to see them shrink, but you made those horse testicles. <laughs> um, there was one more reason for the, for the crunch time that I thought was mind-boggling. This is so insane to me. And this is this idea of appearance of work. So yeah. we kind of talked about, like, wanting to, you know, be um, – shown to work hard that we can get a promotion well let's say that and this is they specifically called out dan and sam hauser on this if they if if an employee knows that sam and dan hauser is going to be at rockstar on saturday and they want to look good to sam and dan hauser they will literally come into work to sit at their desk and stare at it basically just to make it look like they're working even if they have nothing to do They'll spend six to eight hours in the office just to make it look like they're there working. So they've like cultivated this environment where people feel like it. No matter what the papers say, no matter what my job says, if they don't actually see me, mm-hmm. hmm. yeah, it's um. I thought that was really interesting. I mean, it's like as as an employer, I'd be really upset if I found out that employees were just coming in to sit. But that sounds yeah. like the culture that they want, and that's weird. Um, but but then Colby, um, Jen Colby, the contact for Schreier, kind of pushed against that and said she didn't like to hear that, <laughs> you could tell. Um, <laughs> but she basically said that she'd come to work on the weekend before she had kids because she wanted to get her work done in quiet. And that she can see how that would maybe make someone feel like they had to come into work on the weekends as well. But she never really wanted her employees to come on the weekend. That's what she kind of said as a response to that that statement, but and I think that makes sense, but I don't think that necessarily clears that issue. That's a weird issue to have. Yeah, it's just it's it's a waste of resources. It's a waste of employee morale. It's gross. Um, I did want to call out though three reasons for why people were not bothered by the crunch time at Rockstar. I already mentioned one, and that's just that they're workaholics. They were going to work anyway. Might as well. Um, number two, we've also kind of mentioned, is that it's just iteration. Just, you know, you're iterating on things over and over and over again. So you think you might have it. You know, you were planning to get it done in this period, and you got to that deadline, but then realized that it's not quite where you actually wanted it to be, so you're going to do it again, and you need to crunch. So that's kind of iteration that causes it. And the other one is, um, how else do games like this get made? It was kind of the question. Games like this get made, like like Red Dead Redemption or games of that scale, get made because of crunch time, because of of um just 
stuff happening, basically. Like, this stuff happens in development when you're working on a game of this size. You can't plan ahead of time for all the issues you're going to see. Right. That workaholic mentality is an interesting one. It is. Like, I, I think it's a very small percentage of people that are actually workaholics to that degree. But I mean, it's, you don't necessarily have to be a workaholic, but it also it it kind of I don't know if you want to call it the as dramatic as like a Stockholm syndrome, but like you kind of build oh, a camaraderie, camaraderie kinda, in a community. Ooh, like yeah. we're all through here. We're all fucking working our asses off together, and like you you're all suffering together you kind of build a you bond in that mm-hmm. so that might be something that like in a backwards ass way like yeah i'm going to work today on a saturday for another 13 14 hours but so is everybody else that i know and have fun with and we're all gonna bust our asses for this game that's gonna be fucking incredible that everyone's gonna go gaga for but mm-hmm. so i don't know if you necessarily have to be a workaholic but you could just like enjoy the misery with everybody you get wrapped up. Yeah. It's like, a, it's like a, a conformity thing almost. Yeah. Yeah. So one location of Rockstar's got called out specifically for kind of working condition violations. Abraham Lincoln. Yep. Rockstar Lincoln. Um, the reason is apparently that it's, it's mostly QA testing hap- is what happens there. So it would make sense that that's where most crunching would happen considering what we now know. So... Three things that were kind of bothering the employees there were the lower wages. QA testing is one of the lowest paid parts of a game development studio. Excuse me. They work extremely long hours, and they have very, very strict security measures, which they were complaining about. Hearing about the security measures, some of them sound justified to me, considering the the nature of the work. Yeah. So let's let's start talking about that stuff, kind of the unfair restrictions they were seeing so they were basically complaining that they could not keep a cell phone at their desk that makes perfect sense to me you're talking they might be working on on qa testing for a game that hasn't even been announced yet they're not going to let you just keep your phone to take a picture of it potentially yeah i mean we saw the guy that leaked the harry potter footage give a guy a cell phone and don't take it away from him and don't like people are going to fucking leak that shit yeah exactly the the issue though then comes to, to when they're working a 12-hour day and they need to do things in their real life that they might need to use their phone for a 12-hour day can get to get can get in the way of that so i can understand why that'd be frustrating but i also understand why rockstar would have that policy the weirder one for me is that they a a tester saw a drone outside one of the windows and so now they have a policy that just you have to keep the blinds closed at all times. <laughs> Can't see daylight. Can't see daylight. And I'm like, that would cripple anybody. That would just, like, ruin someone's spirit. Yep. So uh, I, I that one I'm not as on board with, but I, I get the cell phone one. That makes complete sense to me. I know we've both worked for a company that was very secretive, and they made you put your phone in a locker and in certain things. And that was fine. Like, I got it. There was always a – it was always understood why. It was never a, like – you know, your teacher taking your phone away from you because you're being an mm-hmm. asshole. It was never like yep. that. So I, I just being in that, that experience myself, I'm okay with that. Um, the other one was that they were often encouraged to work overtime and on weekends. This is just so baffling to me. So if you wanted to get, this is at Rockstar Lincoln, if you wanted to get a full weekend, so they, it was basically an expectation you were working at least one weekend, one day of the weekend. 
if you wanted a full weekend off, you had to make up that day on another weekend, which means you're working 12 days in a row to have two days off in a row. Yeah, that's that's someone who literally just came off of seven days in a row and had one day off. I was like, oh, my God. I can't imagine adding another five to that. I and, and days that are probably somebody. longer than yours, too. Oh, yeah, definitely. Great, they're playing and video games. much more games. stressful. <laughs> yeah, much more stressful. But like, they're playing video People think, oh, they're playing video games. Like, yeah, they're playing a video game that's broken, that doesn't work, that they have to notate all the issues um, of. It's not fun playing a video game like that. No. Especially for that many hours. Like- you're a QA tester. Your job today for 12 hours straight is try to run headfirst into every single wall and see if you can get through on accident. No, ex- seriously, exactly. Like, if I told you, Chad, that, you know, your job for the next three months is to play 12 hours of Horizon Zero Dawn a day, with even with no requirements of how to play it, you would get bored with that. Yeah, unless it was Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> um, one more thing on... Um, on Rockstar Lincoln, um, is that some employees have kind of talked um, up and said that some of these things are are changing at Rockstar Lincoln already, and they are getting better. It sounds mildly better. So now you can only work two overtime shifts in a week, and you get two weekend shifts per month. So they're still expecting you to work the weekends. I, I do want a clarification on that, though. In retail, you're expected to work on the weekends, but you also have two other days off in the week. Right. If you're working a seven-day week in your weekend shifts, that's not cool. If you're working five days in your weekend shifts, that's a retail shift. That's what retail is. Yeah. It's, it's the same idea. So I want to know a little bit more about that. But it, it the fact that it's like, oh, okay, now we have it, so you're just doing two hours of overtime or, or two days of overtime a week. The fact that like they're working down to that says a lot, I think. But I think that was pretty much like the gist of the Jason Schreier article. Uh, I'm trying to see if I missed anything at all. So what do we do from here? Well, we, I, ob- like we've we've heard from the developer, them the like the people working there themselves don't boycott it. That's our bonuses you're messing with. That's our hard work we want you to see. Don't boycott it. What what do we do about this kind of stuff? Um, I don't have an answer on that, but actually, didn't they mention, he had a solution in the article, didn't he? Yeah, they mentioned at the end, someone said, you know, just talk about it. Make yeah. it open, talk about it on the internet, pressure companies publicly to change. Mm-hmm. And this is something that, it's not new. As you mentioned at the beginning of this whole discussion, it's not even new for Rockstar. Mm-hmm. Um, it's It's a big thing in our gaming industry right now. And GDC back in March, there was a huge discussion because of all of this about unionization. And I've been, I think as you mentioned earlier, like I've been going back and forth. It's like, is union unionization the right thing in the gaming industry? Is it not? How does it scale? Because unionization is not recognized worldwide, but mm-hmm. game industries are everywhere. Like, or game companies are everywhere. Like, it's such a complex. It is. Thing. So, one, I, I want to talk about these statistics. I think they kind of answer some of these questions. But I also want to offer up something. Um, there's kind of that, I, the, the big thing against unions, I guess the conservative perspective against unions is that, well, these industries can regulate themselves. And I don't think that's true of every industry. But I do think that is true of the video game industry. I think that it has proven to be responsive to consumer feedback in a way that other industries are not. 
And I think for that reason, we might not need unionization. And based on some of the stats that I have here, it does look like it's getting better. And in Go some on. in some ways, you know, in, in more drastic ways than I would have expected. But there's still a lot of work to be done. I'm not trying to say it's completely resolved. So there is basically the number of regular hours that are worked and the number of crunch hours that are that are worked because these companies are going to go in peaks and valleys in terms of when they're really ramping up production and when they can kind of cool down a little bit because they're figuring out ideas and that kind of thing so in 2004 the um number of regular hours that was less than 60 hours was 67% of – sorry, it was greater than 60 hours. Sorry, well, less than 60 hours was 67% of the staff. And then in 2009, less than 60 hours was 52% of the staff. And le- in 2014, less than 60 hours was 36% of the staff. That was in um, crunch time period. Sorry, wait, I'm reading this wrong. One second. <laughs> I'm so tired right now. I've been working on this like all day. Um, decrease crunch time hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is the number of of employees that were in crunch time, and this is over sixty hours. Was sixty seven percent of staff? That's sorry, I read this wrong. So two thousand four over frame crunch time period in the week they were working more than sixty hours was sixty seven percent of the staff working more than eighty hours was fourteen percent of the staff. Now, in 2009, you went from 67% to 52% of your staff working over 60 hours, and your over 80 hours went from 14% to 18%. And then in 2014, you went from 52% in 2009 to 36% of your staff working over 60 hours, and then over 80 hours went from 10% to 15 So that did go up, but the number of employees working over 60 hours decreased by a lot. It went from, in 10 years, 67% to 36%. A jump like that in 10 years is really good by any industry metric of any kind. Yeah. That's really impressive. But further than that, the number of crunch time in one year. So I'm not talking like the number of hours per week. I'm talking like the number of weeks that they did, had of crunch time, right? In 2004, the number of, of, uh, of developers that worked... Zero hours of a week of crunch time, so had no crunch time at all, basically, was 1.4% in 2004. In 2009, that number had gone to 9% of developers not having any crunch time. In 2014, that number is 25%. These are big changes for an industry that doesn't have unionization. Yeah. Is it big enough, though? Is a big I mean, is, is is a valid I that question. Took ten years to get there, but changes like this, like for ten years, that is a massive change. Yeah, I guess so. Like these things take a long time to change. So the fact that it's been, I mean, the fact that in ten years you went from one point four percent to twenty five percent, that's incredible. That's really incredible. Not all the numbers are going to be that good, but that's yeah. incredible. So another way that they're measuring the crunch time is not just over the whole year how many weeks but how many weeks in a row do companies have crunch time so looking at sorry weeks in a row in a second i skipped one um we talked about zero weeks now let's talk about 
half of a week to four weeks. So we don't have any stats for 2004 for that. But for 2009, half a week to four weeks of crunch time was 25%. Five to nine weeks was also 25%. So you're talking about anywhere from less than a week to up to two months. 50% of of developers had up to two months of... Or sorry, up to... Um, one month is 25%, two months is 25%. So yeah, so 50% of, of developers had experienced a good chunk of of crunch time throughout yeah. the year. But when you look at that in, in a row, this is where it doesn't look good. So for just one, for what, just one month, right. Of crunch time in a row, 2009 was 60% of developers experienced that in a row. So when we are seeing crunch time, it tends to be all at once. You generally yeah. don't have like a week of crunch time and then a week off. It's generally like you're going for a month, maybe two there are some outlying cases where it goes to three, four, but that's not very often. It sounds like Rockstar was in that outlying cases. Um, in 2014, that 60% number only dropped to 55%. So it did not drop by that much at all. So like it's like that's what's not changing. The, the duration of crunch time is not changing. But the amount of employees that are involved in crunch time, that's what's going down. I feel like what the larger change that needs to happen, not necessarily like the fact that crunch time exists or how much or how Mm -hmm. long, I feel like the major change that needs to happen is like the company culture around it. The, Mm -hmm. the feeling that people feel like they have to be there for 60 hours or they're not going to have their job or not be considered for promotions Mm -hmm. and things like that. And I think that is where unionization will bring in benefits. Like the only, the only parallel I have to this is, the actors equity union for stage actors and things like that. And I know that like we're when you're in an equity show, it, you are required by union rules to only be able to rehearse two hours at a time before you're required to have a break mm-hmm. and then two hours at a time before you're required to have a break. There are certain amenities that have to be on hand at all times. Yeah. You have things like health insurance uh, and this applies to many different contracted positions in the gaming world, but also like statistically speaking at any given time, 98% of all actors who earn their living as an actor are unemployed. And that goes for, for contracted employees at gaming companies who they're done with the project. All right, we lay you off and then you go get hired somewhere else. That health insurance, being able to continue having that when you get laid off from a company, there are so many other benefits to unionization, but I think the biggest one or one of the biggest ones would be mandation of working hours and conditions, ensuring that they get compensated fairly for overtime worked, whether their salary or not. Making sure that like they're not hoping I'm a salary employee. I'm working eighty hours a week, hoping that at the end of this I might get a big bonus. Like making sure there's something guaranteed there at the end of that tunnel. I think that's the kind of thing that needs to like culturally change. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like we uh, like I mentioned earlier, like it's so hard to do that. How do you regulate that worldwide, especially with companies like Rockstar who have offices yeah. all over the place? I think what we have to do when you think about like like the European the European uh European goddamn words the GDPR thing the data and privacy mm-hmm. you think about things like all these laws that California has passed that then like companies have to make nationwide or worldwide because California passed it like 
I think that's where we got to start thinking about it. How do we pass a law or start a union somewhere that like companies worldwide have to adopt that anyway because they have to do it here. They might as well do it everywhere else or it's just become a standard here and that's where everyone wants to work that everyone else has to kind of mm-hmm. meet them and, and make their quality of their working conditions or the quality of working at that company match that so they're more attractive to future employees. Like, I think that's where we've got to start. And it's got to be somewhere big. It's got to be a rock star. It's got to be uh, or uh, a big nation like the U.S. Obviously, we have a huge investment in gaming here with all of the companies. But like, we have mm-hmm. to something big has got to change somewhere, and it's got to force the rest of the world to change with it. Yeah, I, I think that I agree with you in the sense that you know a company has to make this change. Um, or it has to be targeted in like a situation like Rockstar or something like that, and there needs to be some sort of legislation around it that will cause this to really happen worldwide. Just, I, I agree with that. That makes a lot of sense. I'm a, just based on where I'm, what I'm seeing right now. I'm, I think I'd be against uni- unionization. Of course, up to the developers if they want to do it. I'm not going to say no. Um, I don't have a say in it, but like it, it, <laughs> it seems like to me that it actually would be counterproductive to to make a union to combat some of these problems because there are problems here. I'm not saying there aren't problems. Yeah. Um. So one of the things that I was seeing is that there's kind of two types of unions that you can make. There is an industry union and there's like a company specific union, and there's kind of issues with both of them and how they stand with um with the game development industry as a whole, just like how game development is a little bit unique and how you measure um, success is different. It's going to be different how unions get handled as well. So if we're going to do a union, they have to work differently than other unions that we're used to. So for reasons like one would be the, the company based union. The reason that's tough is that a, like uh, having a union just for Rockstar and just for um, uh, for like Santa Monica or something like that. The issue with that is that a lot of these unions are going to be seniority based. Actually, it's kind of the, the just a, the issue on both industry and on company um, unions because they are they are seniority based, not merit based. You run into an issue where. Uh, developers tend to move around a lot. So a developer might be at Santa Monica and for one game and then move over to Rockstar for another game. And in that, they've now lost their seniority in their union. Yeah. Which means that they don't have the influence they used to have in your union, and that can make it very hard for it to move up. And that's a problem as a whole for the game industry because that shifting around happens a lot. So it would be hard to move up in a union and keep that union going if it were company-based. But because, it's the same kind of thing, though, with the industry. The seniority issue gets in the way there as well, but for a different reason. Because development is developers as a whole see a workplace as merit-based. You should be a lead developer if you're the best developer, not necessarily if you've been there the longest. So like, you'd have to rethink some of those kind of common union kind of hierarchy structures that tend to exist because it it wouldn't necessarily um, work with the kind of industry that it would be you'd be unionizing. Um, the other part of it is that because you're creating new power structures that have to collaborate and work with another power structure. I mean, you have the employee power structure um, collaborating with the employer power structure. That's going to slow things down. That's going to slow progress down. And when you're slowing progress down, well, that tends to be what causes crunch in the first place. So it's there's a potential that if we're creating unions, it could actually cause more crunch time. 
which would either result in redu- like a forced reduction of crunch time, which would then mean that games are getting pushed out far later. They cost more money it now. Cost more money. Pay people for a longer time. Exactly. So it could have different side effects. So my stance right now is that at the moment, I'm not convinced that making a union is going to be in the best idea. That doesn't mean that we can't talk about these as a gaming community and encourage employees to talk about these kind of things and create protections for uh, on a, in a legal standpoint without the need for a union, just by people talking to create these kind of protections. I think it's possible. And I think it's possible because this industry has proven that it does respond to, to its consumers in a way that other industries don't example being the ESRB. I mean, when there was the issue of video game violence and can children be playing this game, the industry decided to regulate itself and create the ESRB. It is an independent rating organization. It's not backed by anything government or anything like that. I mean, it's, it's, an independent organization in the gaming industry. Um, I mean, yeah, microtransactions and all that has been a total mess and companies are not necessarily handling that as best as they could. They are responding to people not saying they don't like microtransactions. And I think that, that companies will respond if people start saying, Hey, we don't like it when you treat employees like that. And I, and the kind of the final part to that is that the IGDA data that I've been working with, has been updated 2004, 2009, 2014, every five years. We're going to get an update next year as well. And I'm curious to see what, how these stats continue to improve and in what ways they've improved. Because we've heard a lot of stuff in the news about this, but we've also heard from stories in Rockstar that it's, it's not as black and white as the stories want to make it out to be. There's a lot of nuance to it. And I want to see what the stats in 2019 look like. Have they gotten better since 2014? That's been a long time. I don't know. The new stories don't necessarily indicate what's really happening. So I, I want to wait to see what happens in 2019 and how the stats yeah. change to kind of determine if we need to take a more drastic measure or not. What a difficult fucking situation. It is, yeah. Glad I'm not in charge of making shit happen. <laughs> <laughs> yep, pretty much. <laughs> Hold on, I think that's all I've got to say about that. <laughs> there's Forrest Gump again. There's, uh, it's crazy. There's still more to say, but I think that's all I can handle right now. Uh, yeah, I, I I think that you're in... Yeah, we're in the same brains. <laughs> um, are you ready to move on? Um, I actually have two more things to say. Go for it. Go so, for it. So, two more news stories this week that are related to this. Really quickly. Um, one is EA Dice is losing 10% of their staff and they're leaving just because of uh, just they were dissatisfied with how EA handled the Battlefront situation. EA Dice made Battlefront. And then also there are more companies coming to Sweden which, where EA Dice is that are competing for those employees. So they're kind of leaving. So I thought that was kind of interesting, kind of relevant to our conversation. That's kind of strange that they're leaving now based on last year's game well i might maybe they don't like how they're continually handling it internally they've had to change so much of what's happened in, in the background of that game that maybe they stuck around to do the changes and fixes and now they're gone they don't okay. want to leave on like bad terms who knows the other one is that 3d realms who made duke Nukem forever a uh, notoriously delayed game um they were talking about how their development team was too small and they kept coming into crunch periods because as they're making the game some new first person shooter would come out that would change the game, and they'd have to keep going back in and reworking their engine to 
have it play catch up but because their team was too small they could never really play catch up and they were just perpetually basically stuck in a crunch period as a result which is the game sucked when it came out too so interesting how those kind of external factors can also uh result in a uh in a kind of crunched period yeah now that's all i had to say about the subject welcome ladies and gentlemen to the end game welcome to the end game um this is where we talk to the community are you part of the community do you like the show community we're probably friends then i'm not friends with holden um (laughs) (laughs) so there are there's a couple things going on in here one we tell you about how to win the participation award which is coming up next week somebody gets to win a spooky 20 dollars prize to the gaming service of their choice by either referring a friend to us rating us on the podcast service of your choice or participating with us on twitter once a week you get a point for every week, and then it's a raffle at the end of the month. Woohoo! Check out a pinned tweet for more details. Um, I'm going to make the executive decision to move Draw Beans subscriber interrogative to next week um, so that we can. I had such wrap a good answer, though. I'll save it for next week. Ugh. I'm just, I'm, uh, I'm ready to, to plow through this. It's fine. I'm got tired. It. Good. Yeah, I know. It's almost midnight for you. I've also got to give my dog a medication before I go to bed, so. And that's going to take four years. Actually, it does take a while because you have to time them out. I know. I get it. <laughs> we also have a poll. How do you pronounce SNES was our poll? Oh, sorry. The the Super Nintendo, the acronym, whatever I the f- fuck you want to call it. I feel validated by this, by the way. Super Nintendo Entertainment System. Um, two-thirds and the correct two-thirds voted <laughs> SNES. Anyone who says SNES, which is 17%, y'all fucking wrong. But remember, it's some some past episode that we had at some point. I said SNES, and you said, Holden, you're an idiot. 17% of people don't think I'm an idiot. 67% do, but okay. 17% don't think I'm okay, an idiot. Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. 17% of 100 is about a sixth, right? Mm-hmm. A sixth of people there don't think I'm an idiot. There are six votes. I'm sure you voted in this. I actually didn't vote. <laughs> I actually didn't vote. You didn't vote? Okay. No. So you paid somebody to vote that one vote. <laughs> Uh, what's most important is that no, no actually, one actually calls it an SNES, which I ha- I have heard one person say that once. Call it an SNES. Yep. Uh, and then one How? person got Just... the uh... <laughs> what? <laughs> I, I don't I don't I don't understand it. One person got the Pirates of the Caribbean reference and voted for it's pronounced egregious. Oh, is that what that's from? I laughed at yes. it, but I don't know what it's from. Just randomly in Pirates of the Caribbean, one Jack Sparrow turns around to one of the guys. He's like. It's pronounced egregious. It's I think it's at the end of the movie. Oh. Um, yeah. And then we play Game on Game Show, the gaming show on our game show, and then we play the game on our game show, and, and games. Good job. And because <laughs> it's just so much fun, we have another video game, Would You Rather. Is this one going to get as comfortable as last this week's This one did? is not going to be as, as batshit crazy as last we, week. Because we said some things. <laughs> let's start simple with a would you rather live life as a legend of zelda great fairy or as the ocarina of time mailman oh the mailman for sure yeah i I could move around it wouldn't be stuck inside a sterile fountain all the time that's exactly what i thought you're just there with a bunch of little tiny fairies yeah like i don't like those fairies what if they're like obnoxious and assholes like i'm stuck with them 
Yeah. And I have Versus to like the mailman and, where you're like running. Yeah, you're running nonstop all day every day. And I'd feel the like the same route. But. I'd feel like a Walmart greeter also. Like whenever like Link comes in, I have to do like a little chime or something or like laugh in some creepy way. No, there's no chime. It's just <gasps> I don't know why I said chime. Exactly. I don't have to do that like I'm a Walmart greeter, but in Zelda style. Because that's what that's if like. I, okay. So that's like if I ever walk into a Walmart and someone greets me like the great fairy. <laughs> But you I'm see why I'm saying this, though, because it is. Dollars. She's greeting Link when he comes in every single time the same exact way. Yeah, it's the same. It's the same idea, Chad. But that All would right. be really funny, actually. I would love that. There's a video on YouTube of someone dressed as a Great Fury who does that laugh every time someone walks into a Walmart, and just see how fast they get kicked out. Fucking gross. People at Walmart. It's a thing. People at Walmart. All right. Would you rather? Playing all real-life instruments was as easy as pressing five multicolored plastic buttons. <laughs> or cooking all real-life food was as simple as it is in Overcooked. Oh, cooking all food is as easy as it is in Overcooked. That's so helpful in real life. I mean, yeah, it's helpful, but is that talent that's going to get you laid? I mean, it might. Yeah, you absolutely right. would get you laid. Like, I but made also, this amazing chicks dish. fucking love musicians. They go crazy for a broken, emotionally distraught musician. So I and am, if it's really easy to just press a couple plastic buttons, I am a firm believer in the golden rule, and I would never Does that want have to do with holding someone... golden showers. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> I would never ever sing a song to someone and play music because i hate it when people do that to me so i would never i would never oh no you don't have to sing it and play it to someone you're just like a badass guy in a band yeah who probably I... has a coke problem and is gonna die at age 32 but she's oh, really into if it if you put it being. that way i have a coke problem that's part of it <laughs> i definitely want that one then can oh, i do heroin too black tar heroin only if you do it all at once perfect that's what i was gonna do anyway perfect great awesome that's um, the life for me Dying in a ditch somewhere, black tar heroin of an overdose. I think I'm going to go the uh, musical instruments route, just because I enjoy music. And you're on cocaine. And I'm on cocaine. Mm-hmm. Uh, number three. Was this number three or number four? Number two? Three. Number three. one? Number this is number, five? This, this is number three. three. This is number three. <laughs> it's a long day. Holy, ain't that right? Matchbox 20. That was the first CD I ever owned, yourself or someone like you. Um, Number three. Would you rather... The 3DS was never released, and instead Nintendo supported the DS for a full two decades. Or the Switch was never released, and Nintendo supported the Wii U for a full two decades. This is going to be controversial, but I didn't like the DS as much as the Wii U. I'd, I'd keep the Wii U. You'd keep the Wii U? Mm-hmm, Yeah. Oh my god! I, I know. Thought, like as I was reading this, I was like, "Oh no, that one was way too simple." Everyone's gonna choose. They want the Nintendo no, Switch. I don't like the. I, I went back and was like, "Oh, what are the best DS games?" And I'm like, "Oh, there was Mario 64, which kind of sucked on a you know D pad. Oh, there was Phantom Hourglass and Spirit Track. Oh, the worst two Zelda games. Oh, Pokemon. Eh, yeah, Pokemon's the same on every console. Uh, Brain Age. I don't give a shit about Brain Age. Uh, I mean, yeah, I agree. Nothing. That's why I never owned a DS. <laughs> There's nothing but... out there that I really would go back and play. Oh my god. That I can't play on something else as well. Get out of here. Yeah. But the Wii uh, U had some really good games on it. Get out of here. Okay. So you would you would pick the DS then? Oh hell yeah. The system you just I, said you didn't honest. buy it because there's something on it that appealed to well, you? Let's be honest. I don't play my three DS anyway, so I played my three DS a lot and then I just you know, time passes and you don't. Your mom. Mm-hmm. 
Number four. Would you rather 20% of all vegetables you eat, a random 20% of all vegetables that you eat, cause you to shoot fire from your hands uncontrollably for 10 minutes? <laughs> ten, 10 minutes? Why uh, 10 minutes? <laughs> uh, just a number that I picked. Or 20% of all hot dog-shaped foods cause you to run uncontrollably and super fast for 10 minutes. Um, this was meant to mimic Mario and the Fire Flower and Sonic and Chili Dogs. Oh, so. okay. Uh, I was going to say, I'm, I'm going to choose the hot dogs, actually. Just run uncontrollably fast for... So one out of every five hot dog-shaped foods yes. that you eat. Yes. You can't stop running super fast for 10 minutes straight. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to take that one. Because I'll just, I'll, you know, it'll benefit me because I'm just going to lose weight. Because I'm just, you know, running so fast, burning that calories. But the yeah. fire, like, I, I could hurt someone. I don't eat a lot of hot dog shaped foods, but I do eat vegetables because I'm an adult. Um, so I think I would probably those go two with the things hot dog have nothing to do with well. each other. Eating properly and being an adult, not in America, those have nothing You're to do true. with each other. You're true. <laughs> uh, adult means you have more money and you just spend it on Chick Fil A. So <laughs> <laughs> no, that's what I do, Chad. You're right. You see the, the testing mac and cheese in certain markets. Are they really you? Yeah, Chick Fil A mac and cheese at Nashville, Tennessee. Yeah, they had Greensboro, a... North Carolina. Oh, the weirdest one is in Chicago. They had like fish. You can get fish sandwiches. Oh, give me back the play fish. All right, and they were Next great. Up. They were really good. Get out of here. They were really good. Yeah. Uh, last one. This is the longest one. Maybe the weirdest one. Would you rather? Anytime <clears throat> you're playing video games, your mouth fills to capacity with saliva every twenty seconds, <laughs> requiring you to wear a bucket around your neck to spit into, <laughs> or. Anytime you're playing video games, you can only play with your mouth wide open, making your mouth painfully dried out and requiring excessive amounts of water every five minutes, and thus also peeing throughout your gameplay session. How how wide open are we talking here? Like, you're very surprised, jaw dropped open. Okay. Like, you could probably fit uh, a hostess ding-dong in there without having to chew it. Ding dong is not a, a penis euphemism. It's a small chocolate cake with cream. Not what ding dong is. Okay. This is tough. Yeah. I'm. I'll, I guess I'll take the bucket and the saliva. <laughs> okay. I guess. Sali- yeah. I mean, it's, it's, like, it's like it's not like I'm going to explain. Like this is the reason I prefer the bucket and the saliva. It's like just I guess that one instead. I don't know. Here's the thing. I don't man. have a reason. One spit smells disgusting. That's true. Like and even, it's strapped even, to you. And it's strapped right in front of your face. You said also, you didn't say you can't use a nose plug. You're right. Also, I think spitting is one of the grossest things. Like people who just spit on the sidewalk for no reason or spit in the urinal. Ugh. It's disgusting. It's disgusting. So sidewalk I think I would go gross. With, Why urinal though? Like you're not gonna step in the urinal, you're not gonna like swallow touch. your spit like God intended. Why the fuck do you need to spit at all? <laughs> Uh, sometimes it's just satisfying. No, it's not satisfying. It's it can stupid. Be. It can be. I understand people who smoke like they they need to spit for some compulsive reason, but uh, it's well, gross. that's that's different because um, when your lungs is rejecting bad things, it's like comes up as like a mucus, and you, you I know have it's to so like, fucking gross. It's really gross. But you, it, that's well, when they have to spit. You can't swallow. De- you can't swallow that shit. As we determined on, would you rather a few weeks ago? Smoking's fucking gross, and I would rather suck up my baby Kirby style than have to smoke <laughs> like metal, like metal gear solid snake. 
<laughs> uh, yeah, so I would I would pick the drinking excessive amounts of water every five minutes. Okay. And I guess well, I, well, let me actually let me let me clarify something here because I might change it to that one. Can okay. I wear a camel pack? Oh. That would have to be a big ass. It has to be excessive amounts of water. So it has to be a big camel. Pack. But I'm sitting down. It could just be next You're right. to me. You're right. I'm taking that one. That's easy. But you can't close your mouth, except for every five minutes. So I'll like use my tongue to like hold it down. <laughs> That's all I'll do. Okay. I'll, no, because camel I'll, packs also require you to suck on them, and you can't create the vacuum seal without closing your mouth. So no, you cannot use a camel pack. God damn it. Then no, I go back to the spit bucket. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that has been another edition of Video Game Would You Rather. And that caps off episode 81 of Respawn Aim Fire. Join us next week if you want to win $20. I mean, you'd win it anyway, whether you listen to it or not. If you participated. <laughs> like, but, we would know, like, you know, please send us a video of you listening to us at the time you realized you won, and then you can win. <laughs> Most likely, I would have DM'd you on Twitter already to let you know you won before you even listened to the episode. So, <laughs> your mom. But Boom. next week, we'll be talking about, I don't know, maybe something spooky. Let's do something spooky for Halloween. Also, Star Citizen. I mentioned I was going to talk about Star Citizen. Did you mention that? You didn't Last Last week, I did. On the, sh- on the show, I did. Okay. And remember, you guys have an extra week, November 6th, because Holden's terrible. Yep. To I'm play Castlevania person. Symphony of the Night. Yep. All right, you guys. Here's our normal sign-off. You like Cracker Jacks? Toodles.